For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Did you see that the Trump administration just announced that they're going to restart the death penalty on the federal level? Now, here's the thing. It was functionally stopped all the way back in 2003 during the Bush administration, and not a single man or woman has been executed by the federal government for 16 years. The death penalty is now completely outlawed in almost every developed country in the world, and 21 states in the United States have now banned it. Today, I want to make my case on why you should be against the death penalty. I'm going to keep it all the way honest. I'll tell you why I'm against it, and I'll tell you why Trump is doing this now, basically playing on the most vile instincts of this nation. Let's dig in together. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. What do you believe in? Now, I know that's a broad question, but I think it's an important one. What do you actually believe in? What's your political philosophy? What are the policies that you're fighting for and what are the policies you're fighting against? I think one of the key reasons liberals or maybe you call them progressives or Democrats, I think one of the key reasons we so often fail is because of a lack of political clarity on actual beliefs, positions, and values. What do you actually believe? Because it's not enough just to be a generally good person, or, or here's a, a better way of framing it. It's not enough to be a generically good person. Stop being vaguely good. What are the issues that keep you up at night? What battles and causes are you fighting for? And here's how I can prove whether or not you really have a cause and a battle that you're fighting. If I ask your friends and family, what are the two causes that you care about the most? If they can't name them right away, then you don't have any. Because when you have a cause... It's like a contagious calling. It spreads, and everybody around you knows about it. Because here's what I know. We are fighting against people and systems that are truly cruel and corrupt. And if we're going to defeat them politically, we have to be laser-focused and unified on some core issues that matter. For instance... You would struggle to find just two to three pro-choice Republicans. They don't exist because the entire party is completely unified against a woman's right to choose. Now, I know what you know. They are basically pro-fetus but anti-child. They love fetuses and will fight to protect them until the day they're born. But from there on out, 
they completely check out. It's part of why I even reject the term pro-life. They're not pro-life. They aren't pro-life when it comes to poverty. They're not pro-life when it comes to war or gun violence. They're not pro-life when it comes to police brutality or global warming or universal health care. And so when Trump announces that he's bringing back the death penalty on the federal level, I know that what he's really trying to do is to appeal to what I think is a growing strain of white hate and white violence in this nation. And for a few minutes, I want to give you the hardcore facts on why I'm against the death penalty and why I really hope, not in a vague way, but in a specific way, that you'll join me by making this an actual value of your own. Let me break it down. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. So far, since 1973, let me just give you the facts here. Since 1973, at least 166 people who were sentenced to death, and by that I mean they were accused, arrested, tried, convicted, sentenced to death, then sent all the way to death row. We go back to 1973, at least 166 people who were sent to death row have been found to be completely innocent. And in almost all of those cases, and I have literally studied all 166 of those cases, the people who were convicted, I mean, I'm talking accused of a crime they didn't commit, charged, arrested, jailed, convicted, sentenced, sent to death row, the overwhelming majority of those people didn't even have anything at all to do with the crime they were convicted for. I mean, they weren't accessories. They weren't on the scene. They were completely innocent people. And in our nation, the system that we call the justice system, but many of us, and I think I'll do an entire episode about this, many of us are stopping this phrase, the justice system, and we're calling it the legal system because it has so little justice. The legal system is so horrible that 166 innocent people spent a combined thousands of years in prison waiting to be executed, often saved at the very last minute when it was determined that they were completely innocent. And I spoke earlier today to several of my friends at the Innocence Project and at the Justice Collaborative and at the Appeal, and without fail, Each of them told me, Sean, it is widely believed that even more innocent people have actually been executed than innocent people that have been exonerated. Did you hear what I said? While 166 people who were sent to death row were later set free, most experts believe that more than 166 people have been executed In this nation, innocent people, more than 166 innocent people have been executed in this nation across the years. Some experts believe the number is deep into the thousands. Could you imagine for a moment 
just, it's unfathomable, really. Can you imagine with me? Put yourself in a mind movie with me for a moment. What would it feel like to be wrongly accused of a heinous crime that you had nothing to do with? I'm not even talking about arrested, convicted. Just imagine being publicly accused for a murder that you didn't even know anything about, for a sexual assault that you had nothing to do with. Now imagine yourself being arrested for it, then formally charged with murder for a crime you had nothing to do with. Then imagine the feeling of being convicted, charged, arrested, convicted by a jury, sentenced by that jury and judge to death, sent to prison over it. Then I want you to imagine something completely, to me, almost, there is no way with headphones in your ears, even as I speak into this mic, there's no way for us to fully consider what I'm about to ask you to imagine. But could you imagine how horrible it must be to be executed by the government for a crime you didn't commit? It's unthinkable. And for me, and and of course, I'm always just speaking for myself here, but for me, the possibility that even one single human being could be wrongfully executed, for me, warrants stopping the entire practice. That alone is enough for me. The idea that one single innocent soul could have their life taken by the government for a crime they didn't commit is enough for me to say, stop the whole thing. But that would suggest, and listen, even, even, you know, that's enough for me, but that would suggest if you feel that way, that stopping the whole process, the whole system, putting a moratorium on the death penalty just so you can be sure that one innocent person is never executed, that would suggest that you actually value people's lives. And what I know, and I found this, uh, working in and out of this system really for my entire adult life, is that for millions and millions of Americans, people on death row are really, truthfully, people who are in prison in general are simply throwaway people. And millions of Americans don't give a damn about their treatment, and they don't even care if they're innocent or guilty because they don't care about those people. Even if they are innocent, they don't really care because they don't care about that group of people if they're in jail or out of jail. Let me frame it differently for you. If you are for the death penalty after it has been proven to you that hundreds of people were executed who were innocent and hundreds of others have been exonerated who were innocent, if you're still for the death penalty, what you're saying is that being able to execute some people that you think are monsters 
means so much to you that you are also willing to execute some people who are fully innocent as well, just so that you can execute those that you believe are fully guilty. You are, in essence, if you are for the death penalty in 2019, with the information and understanding and expertise and facts and evidence that we have, if you are still for it in 2019, you are basically making a trade-off to say, yes, I do know innocent people are sent here and exonerated. Innocent people are sent here and actually executed. But in order to be able to execute these set of people, I'll make that trade. And I need you to understand something. There's a reason why most people are willing to make that trade. And yes, it centers deeply and squarely on race. I want you to guess The question is rhetorical. Guess what race the majority of exonerees are. Guess what race the majority of people who are exonerated for crimes they didn't commit, but they were sentenced and often sent to to death row. Guess what the majority of them, guess what their race is. Black men represent just about 7% of the United States population but a staggering 62% of all people who've been exonerated with DNA evidence. Again, black men are 7% of the United States population, but 62% of all people who are exonerated after being convicted of a crime, exonerated with DNA evidence that proved it had nothing to do with them. Let me, if you will, let me just kick some knowledge for a moment and let me explain and expose Why, when people started saying all lives matter, that they never really meant it. Like, let me give you some hardcore facts on the intersection of race and the death penalty, because race is at the center of it. 87% of the time that the death penalty is imposed on somebody, 87% of the time that somebody is given the death penalty, the victim is white. When a white person is killed, listen to me, the death penalty is 11 times more likely to be given than when a black person is killed. Are you understanding? But it goes even deeper than that. When the race of the defendant is considered, I I, want to teach you this for for just a moment. And this is just math. This isn't my opinion. This is not just how I'm feeling These are cold, hard facts. 22% of black defendants who kill white victims are sentenced to death. 22% of black defendants who are found guilty of killing white victims are sentenced to death. But 8% of white defendants who kill white victims are sentenced to death. All right, there's, there's one disparity. So if you're black and you kill someone white, 22% of the defendants are sentenced to death. 8% of white people who kill somebody white are sentenced to death. Now, here's where it gets crazy. 1% of black defendants who kill black victims are sentenced to death. And just 3% of white defendants who kill black victims are sentenced to death. So, in other words... When it comes to the death penalty, 
the two biggest factors are, number one, was a white person killed? And number two, did a black person kill them? Because let's look at the polar opposite. If you are black and kill someone white, 22% of the time you are sentenced to death. If you are white and kill someone black, 3% of the time you are sentenced to death. Anything other than was a white person killed and did a black person kill them, anything other than that, and you probably aren't going to get the death penalty. And what that means is that the wheels are greased, the books are cooked, the system is built to hypercharge and hyperconvict black men primarily who kill white people, particularly white women. The system was built. I don't mean in the 90s or the 2000s. It was built hundreds of years ago primarily to convict black men who kill white women. That's, that was the stereotype, the accusation. It is the, it is the fundamental theory behind lynching in the 1800s and 1900s. And, and I'm sure you know this, but this notion that black people killing black men, killing white women and being super convicted and charged and, and executed for it. Like that goes back hundreds of years. And because the system is so strongly structured to arrest, convict, sentence and execute black men who kill white women. What we see is that hundreds of black men have been wrongly sentenced to death for crimes they had nothing to do with. So what determines who gets the death penalty and who doesn't get the death penalty really has next to nothing to do with the nature of the crime itself. You can have two heinous crimes that are virtually identical. But the primary determining factor on who gets the death penalty was who committed that crime, were they black or white, and who was the victim of that crime, were they black or white. And, and really, you know, the nature of the crime has so little to do with it, but it has everything to do with who committed it, what's their race, what's their zip code, what's their economic status, and who did they kill, and what's their race, and what's their class. So if a defendant checks the boxes of being black and poor with horrible attorneys and the victim checks the boxes of being white, a woman, and from an opposing zip code, you can predict the death penalty with painful certainty. And Donald Trump himself has a history here. We have to go all the way back to 1989 when he started calling for New York to execute the Central Park Five for a brutal sexual assault that they had nothing to do with. I know these men. I am literally doing an event tonight with Corey Wise for the family of Eric Garner. Corey is the most victimized member of the exonerated five. But what disturbs me so much is not just Trump, but it's the number of lifelong Democrats across the country who effectively agree with him. Los Angeles is seen as one of the most liberal cities in America. But the district attorney there, a horrible DA named Jackie Lacey, a lifelong Democrat, has, listen to this, has successfully sought the death penalty 
against 22 different people. It's a lifelong Democrat. And guess what a new report that just came out earlier this month shows? Of the 22 people that she successfully imposed the death penalty on, not a single one of them was white. Not one. Of the 22 people given the penalty of death from the city of Los Angeles and the district attorney, Jackie Lacey, not a single white person has ever been given the death penalty in her entire term. And in those seven years, white people in Los Angeles have murdered hundreds of people. And not a single one was ever sentenced to death. Not one. And we see other Democratic district attorneys like Kim Ogg in Houston and Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, who's been the DA of Miami for a staggering 26 years. They are regularly doing the very same thing. The Attorney General of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, a lifelong Democrat, is fighting tooth and nail to preserve the death penalty in Pennsylvania. So yes, Donald Trump is problematic here. But Democrats are also sending people, almost exclusively black and Latino. Democrats are also sending people from coast to coast to death row on a regular basis. And I'll close today with one personal internal action step that I need each of you to take. All right? Action, 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 steps, take action, 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 steps. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley just released a brand new bill before the House banning the death penalty on the federal level. It's a simple bill. It's really just one paragraph saying the death penalty is banned on the federal level. And every major presidential candidate running for the Democratic nomination, they are now against the death penalty. And that's progress. But here's my question. What are you for? What's your philosophy? What's your position? And I'd like for you to think through your philosophy and position on this and then email me and our team right away. What's your position on the death penalty? All right, listen to this podcast again, to this episode again, if you just need to get some understanding. I have many more reasons why I oppose it. I also oppose it because regularly people are sentenced to death against the wishes of the family of the victim. Well, the person maybe even admits, yes, I did commit this crime, and they make amends with the family, and the family of the victim no longer wants that person to be executed. Then why, what, what is that person still being executed for? Or we have seen, and I think nothing is more painful than someone who does admit that they committed a crime and they change, because often people are kept in prison for 10, 20, 30 years after they are convicted, before they are executed, and they become a completely different person. And the family of the victim understands this, and the prison understands this. But our system, as it is, just executes them anyway. And that's preposterous. And that's, that's how I feel, but race and class, but particularly race, not just of, of the perpetrator, but of the victim, has everything to do with who's executed and who isn't. And I want you to determine what is your position. I want you to take a position. And then email me and our team your thoughts. You can email us right now at thebreakdown 
at thenorthstar.com. The breakdown at thenorthstar.com. All right? I look forward to reading your thoughts. Break it down. The break, the break, the break, the break, the break, the break down. Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday. We'll be right back here tomorrow, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers. And we're not going to be able to get there without you. Have you left a review yet on Apple Podcasts? We have now nearly 10,000 five-star reviews, and 10,000 was our first big goal, but we're just right there, so we need you to leave your best, most detailed review whenever you get some time. Of course, thank you to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that today at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to a few people today. Shout out to our associate producer, Lissandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. But also thank you to the team at the Justice Collaborative and the Appeal and the Innocence Project for their assistance in thinking through these issues and fighting back on these issues every single day. Take care, everybody. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.